Y'all, today is the last day of giveaways in celebration of our 25th episode of the Your Welcome podcast. So you can swipe up for those details, but I will announce over on my Instagram profile after today a double dose of winners, two from anyone who leaves or has left a review on iTunes, and two from anyone who shares any episode of the podcast on their IG stories. Thank you so much for making this little idea I had of a podcast such a powerful community. I am genuinely inspired that there are people like you who just want to become a little better, kinder, wiser, healthier, more joyful every week. Today included. So let's get on with the show. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hey, friend. Hey. Today, we have a great question sent in by one of you. Hi, Hillary. Thanks so much for everything that you do and all your education. And when I went to open my own business, I got a lot of feedback that was unhelpful and unnecessary from loved ones. Um, in addition, I'm trying to start a family and also have gotten a lot of unsolicited feedback about pregnancy and how to conceive. So my question to you is when you do have big dreams and when people who you love, you share your dreams with, and they say things that are truly unhelpful, what do you recommend to do in response to that? Thanks. Brittany, thank you so much for sending this in. I instantly related to this question. Especially early in my years as an entrepreneur, I felt so often offended by people telling me what to do. So let's talk about why it bothers us when this happens, and then we'll talk about how to deal with it when it does. I think this bothers us because and when it's a tender area. It's something where we feel vulnerable. It's personal. It doesn't feel like something that is necessarily free game for people to comment on. It matters deeply to us. And a lot of times that advice feels like it implies we aren't smart enough to have thought of something yet. When it's something we're working on or insecure about, those comments can make us feel like the implication is we're not working hard enough. You haven't done all the research on conceiving. You should have a website up by now. As you said, you aren't relaxing enough. You could be doing better at trying to conceive. It makes us feel like we're being judged or being spoken down to. This was huge for me in starting my business. Everyone had another idea of what I should do. The number of people who told me that I really should do speaking at conferences and have a YouTube channel and I would ho should host an event. And they weren't saying it as a passing compliment of, you would be great at hosting a show. That would be sweet. But it's like they were explaining why it's a good idea as though they're telling you something new. And you're like, dude, do you really think I haven't thought about that? Like, it's never crossed my mind to have a YouTube channel. <laughs> and I just made another choice because I know more about my business than you. Like, do you know how much work goes into a YouTube channel? And I'll share in a minute how and when people can make those suggestions. But on the other hand, there are plenty of things that people chime in on that we don't feel defensive about, right? Like, I'm not a kitchen person. So if you came into my pantry and said, oh, that should be refrigerated, I'd go, oh, thanks. Not my area of expertise. I'm not insecure about it. Helpful feedback. Cool. Or there are people who chime in that don't make us defensive. If the 
cable guy walks in and says, that couch is too big for your living room. I'm like, all right, dude. Well, I don't think you're an interior designer. Pretty confident I have a better aesthetic eye than you do. So rude, but whatevs. The next day, I'm not still miffed. Like, I cannot believe that guy said that and going and telling people about it. Meanwhile, there are people we have welcomed to give us insight. You hire a business coach or a doctor. Yes, you want them to tell you what to do. You're at coffee with someone who has a bigger business. Listen, lean in, stay open. They might have some insights that could help you. You're talking with someone who also went through multiple years of infertility and you know now has a uh, has gotten pregnant, okay, she might have something new. She has been deep in the trenches right alongside you. But I think the people that bother us the most are the people we do personally know who are taking authority when it hasn't been given without humility. They know us, so we think they should know better. They love us, so we think they should love us better. Last Thanksgiving, one of my girlfriends went home down south and she knew that it bothers her that her family always asks about her love life. So she sent a preemptive email to her extended family to let them know that she's not dating anyone. She doesn't have anything to share, so no one needs to ask. But folks are welcome to ask her about her work and her church and these other things that are happening in her life. So she gets down south and her aunt gives her an envelope. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. We weren't exchanging gifts or maybe it's a thoughtful card. She opens it up. People, it was two brochures, one for egg freezing and one for adoption. Number one, it is 2019. Do you think that this woman who lives in New York City does not know these things? That she cannot use the magic of the Google to find out information if she wants to about them? You think that she needs a physical pamphlet handed to her? Number two, my friend is a public school teacher. How is she supposed to afford egg freezing or a full-time nanny for this adopted child? Are you offering to pay for these things for her? No? Then it is not helpful. <laughs> so, one, I hope that these stories that of myself, of Brittany, of my friend, make someone feel less alone. You're getting all the unsolicited feedback on your business or trying to get pregnant or being single, and you are not alone. People can be the worst. <laughs> And you're not weird or weak for being super bothered by them. Though I will talk about how we can grow our confidence to be bothered less. But first, let's talk about how to gracefully navigate these conversations so we don't punch someone. And how to make sure that we are not the well-meaning ones putting our foot in our mouth and doing this to someone else. When someone says this to you, I think of it that you have three options, like the basic fight, flight, or freeze. Flight is get out of the conversation. Instantly change the topic. Say, thanks, or interesting, or I've heard that too, and change the subject. You say, oh, that's so kind, and ball change your way right out of there. P.S. This is a great tactic for anything you don't want to answer. Someone says, how old are you? And you say, old enough to drink, which is all that really matters, right? And then immediately you ask a different question. Are you traveling at all this fall? What are you doing for the holidays? What are you working on at work these days? Freeze is you let them speak. You'll stay in the conversation for a minute, 
but you're not adding anything to it. You're just kind of staying in neutral. You're like, mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, I had it. Interesting. It isn't as abrupt, but you're not trying to explain why that doesn't work or how you've already tried or heard that. Admittedly, both of these choices can be so hard because we want to defend ourselves, or at least I do. (laughs) I want to say, yes, I'm smart enough to have already Googled that. Thanks. Or do you really think you do know more about this than I do or enough of the situation to really tell me what to do? Or actually, I didn't ask. (laughs) So your other option is fight, which in the case of unhelpful advice means explaining why it isn't helpful. You can do this more calmly or more clearly. Brittany, you said that the people telling you these things are people that you love. And sometimes we don't want to make them uncomfortable. And sometimes we need to speak up to let them know they're making us uncomfortable. We kind of have to make that decision. So kindly, my infamous compliment sandwich is for the person that you know is being so sweet. You say, oh, that's so thoughtful. Yes, I've read quite a lot on it, but thanks for suggesting it in case I hadn't. So you're like, something kind, the meat of, actually, that's not helpful, and something kind again. Like, I know you had good intentions. Not really helpful, but I know you had good intentions. (laughs) If they're being a little more inappropriate or less self-aware, you cut the bottom piece of the bread of that sandwich. You're like, oh, that's so thoughtful. Yeah, I've read quite a lot on it. And then you change the conversation. If it's really inappropriate and you want to stand up for your boundaries, you can use that same method, but make it stronger. Like add some sriracha to that sandwich. You say, oh, thanks for the idea, Um, but I'm not really looking for feedback right now. And then you change the topic. Or no sandwich, just straight into the meat. Yeah, it's pretty important to me, so I've read and researched quite a lot. Um, I, I don't think at this point I need anything outside of my doctor giving me personal guidance, but thanks. If this is a person you know you're going to keep interacting with, you might need to go deeper. Like My friend, for example, knew this about her family, so she sent a preemptive email ahead of her Thanksgiving trip. But clearly they still were not getting it. So again, she can fight, flight, or freeze. Flight would be not going home for the holidays to that side of the family, which she's really considering. Just going to completely avoid and be out of there. Freeze would be I'm going to smile and nod throughout the holidays and come home to tell my girlfriends about it over drinks, how ridiculous it was, so they can share it in a podcast a year later. (laughs) Or you fight. And again, that just doesn't have to mean, mean aggressive, but you fight for being respected. You fight for being honored. You fight for being thought of. So you say, Aunt Nancy, I know you're trying to look out for me, but this is actually offensive. I can't afford to have my eggs frozen, and I can't afford to adopt a child on my own. Even if I wanted these things, which you don't know that I do, they're not an option for me. So thank you for caring, but please don't bring me any more suggestions. I already sent an email to you before I came letting you know I don't want to talk about the fact that I'm single, and now I'm saying it a second time. You can ask me about anything else, but please don't ever ask me about that again. I love you. But enough about me. How was your trip to Atlanta? Again, guys, the the conversation change at the end is really where it's all about. You just got to like ball change and get out of there, scene change. And if they say, oh, honey, I didn't mean it. You say, yeah, I know. And 
Now you do. I've told you twice, so I forgive you. I'm just really glad to know it won't happen again. So you really just have to decide for yourself. I would be mortified if someone said something that direct to me. But if you're carrying it around with you, you might have to decide to protect yourself over them. And I think there are some of us that really protect ourselves all the time and are a little aggressive. And there's some of us that are so worried about hurting other people's feelings that we never speak up for ourselves. And sometimes it is okay. I don't know which one Brittany is or which one you are, but sometimes it is okay to say, I am going to make them a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm going to protect that I don't want to continue to be made uncomfortable. Or you might have to move more into flight or freeze in the relationship in general. If someone continues to trigger you and you don't want to make it a thing by bringing it up, maybe you create some distance in that relationship or you keep the conversations really short and focused. You just stay in control of that whole conversation. You make it about them the whole time. You never let it be about you. You just let yourself know, I can't just relax around this person. I need to be intentional about it. So how do we make sure we aren't these people? I certainly can't guarantee that I am perfect at this and never do it, but I really, really, really try because I know that I am so sensitive about it. So I use the compliment sandwich myself when I am giving any feedback. And actually, it has come up a lot because I have a dear girlfriend who has been trying to conceive for a long time. So that really resonated with me. So if I see an article or hear a podcast, I'll say, hey, you may have already heard everything here. I just hadn't, so I thought I'd pass it along, but I know you've done so much research on your own. I affirm that you're smart and hardworking. Here's a nugget. I affirm that you're smart and hardworking. Making sure that I stay humble in acknowledging that I actually may not be bringing something new. Or I love what you've been sharing on your Instagram lately, and I had the thought, I wonder if it would be better for both your businesses if you separated your IG accounts like go all in on the eating disorder coaching on one and make the wedding photography its own thing, which you may have already thought about that or know why you don't want to do it. And I know it is definitely way more work, but just thought I'd share in case. So I'm saying you're doing great. I had an idea, but you may already have thought about it or it may not be right for you. I often end messages with one of my friends when we send voice memos. Um, She's going through things that I can't necessarily relate to. I'm not necessarily bringing expertise, but I'm trying to be a helpful and encouraging sounding board. So a lot of times I'll find myself saying at the end of the message, I hope something in here was helpful. Of course, disregard anything that doesn't feel like it's right or true for you. Because I want to make sure that if I made her feel defensive, like, yes, I knew that, or no, that's not going to work. Or no, that is not me and what I'm going through. That she doesn't have to feel defensive because I've already been like, no worries, totally get it. Like You know best. I- I'm leading with that humility. And in all three of those instances, another key is these are things people have talked to me about. I'm not inserting my opinion they haven't asked for. It doesn't mean that they've said, hey, do you have any advice on getting pregnant? Um, but that friend has shared it, talked about it with details, what they're exploring next. So it's clear I'm someone that they do feel comfortable sharing that with. Which reminds us that stopping those conversations may also be that we don't open them up in the first place. If we're super tender or something is especially triggering to us, don't share. Don't talk at length about your new business or your family planning. Reserve those details for people that you do know handle your heart better. And of course, 
Aunt Nancy knows you're single, so you can't get around that one. But your coworker doesn't have to know you're trying to get pregnant. And if you mention to a friend you're starting a business and they ask for more, you can say, eh, I'm not quite ready to share about it yet. And then back to us as a friend, be just as aware that people may not want to talk about their things. Years and years ago, I had a mentor who was trying to get pregnant and they didn't want to tell everyone they were struggling because it felt so personal. Also, this was years ago before so many people were sharing openly. Uh, I think there was a lot more shame around it. And they'd been married for a while. They were in their 30s. So she said she's got asked all the time if they were going to have a baby. So I have thought about this for years. And even in that scenario, I'll try to be just a little more gentle. It's not like I want to live in terror of ever asking a friend that question, but I'll try to make it a little softer. Like, do you guys think you might have kids? Or maybe if it happens, slash, you'll see. It's just letting them off the hook a little if they don't want to share a specific answer. It makes them feel a little bit less boxed in. Or, or like I'm not making the assumption that, of course, you're going to have kids. When do you think you guys will have kids? Not everyone might want to have kids or might be able to have kids. So just trying to keep it a little softer. Or maybe instead of, are you seeing someone? Which is a more black and white. Like, do you have a boyfriend? I'll say, have you been on any good dates lately or met anyone who's piqued your interest? Which is just a broader set of answers around, yeah, I was talking to this girl for a minute or a friend of a friend came into town. I've been wrestling a lot lately with the concept of the golden rule that we learned in kindergarten of treat others as you want to be treated because some people are cool with straight talk. They're an open book, so they might not see any problem if the tables were turned. They don't get why you're getting sensitive about this, why you're bothered. So thus, I can just say, on behalf of us tenderhearted folks, <laughs> may we all strive to be a little more gentle, gracious, and humble in our questions and our advice. But for us tender folks, far better than manipulating the conversations with these conversational options and tactics would be to actually grow our confidence around an area. That's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately and feels like a whole other episode. So Brittany and everyone, meet me back here next week and let's talk about how to be more confident in who we are and what we're accomplishing, whether that's with what someone else asks today or just inside our own head and heart, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is lighting my candles. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of candles in our home, and I so often forget to light them. And a few weeks back, my business partner was in town, and I pulled out one of those big three-wick candles and had it burning all day while we were working from home. And oh my goodness, it made our apartment smell magical, and it just made me feel so chic and luxurious. It felt more like we were working from a hotel or someplace really great than just the same old space that I'm in every day. And so I want to remember to light them more often, to really lean into making my house feel even more like a home. And I shared this with a friend who said they have candlesticks on their dining room table and their kids who are around junior high age love lighting them. They light them every night and have candlelight dinner as a family, which I think is so sweet. It just changes the mood and makes it feel like, okay, this is family time to talk. It reminds me growing up, we had a kitchen table and a dining room table. And when we went to the dining room table, we we lit the candles. We had a tablecloth and it was a more formal environment. I would imagine my sister and I were on better behavior and we had better conversations rather than when it just didn't seem like there was any difference between breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the kitchen table. 
And speaking of candlelight dinners, ICYMI, in case you missed it, a year later, we just got back the video from our elopement in the south of France, which ended with a candlelit dinner with six of our friends overlooking the ocean. It's on my IGTV, which I will link below. And I know I'm biased, but our now friend Henry, who filmed it for us, ugh, is just one of the most beautiful, magical things that I've ever seen. So go light yourself a candle and swipe up to watch our elopement story. And then I'll see you back here for next week's You're Welcome Wednesday with grace and gumption. Till next Wednesday. 